your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 486 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And coming up, we're going to do our best to polish up a 4-1 loss last night to the New York Islanders. Yeah, tough way to head into the All-Star break, Ross. But we're also going to look at some of the best performing players in the postcast era starting on December 1st. And there are some high risers. There certainly are. So we've got all that. We also haven't checked in on the Belleville Sens, who start a busy stretch tonight. So let's take a look at what's going on down in Bell Vegas. They've got reinforcements coming. We'll tell you who that is and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd in Pilsy. Last night, the Ottawa Senators looked like a team who was playing their ninth game in 14 days. Yeah, I mean, the schedule, it's going to come come up and catch up to them real quick here, especially with all the injuries that this team has. So you're bound to lose a stinker here and there, especially on a back-to-back night. So, you know, it's unfortunate this is how they're going into the All-Star break, but I don't put too much blame on the team because this is a tired bunch. It certainly is. So they lose 4-1 last night. We're going to break down the game. But looking at this stretch now of those nine games that started on on um, January 18th when they lost 3-1 to Buffalo, the first of two meetings against the Sabres during that stretch. And out of the four losses in regulation, I can look, and goalie-friendly show, but I can look at the goaltending that they face in at least two of those losses. So you're feeling a little bit better. John Gibson stole that game for, for Anaheim last Saturday. And then Michael Hauser, who knew he could make 43 Michael saves. Hauser. I know. That one doesn't have the same aura as when you say John Gibson. But then they took the Edmonton Oilers to an overtime. They beat them. Great goal. They take Columbus down to the third, late in the second period. Timmy scores a highlight real goal. So those are a couple of key wins that you're able to hold your hat on. And then the beat down over Aaron Dell and the Buffalo Sabres. So there are some good wins. Those are the three wins in that stretch. And then getting a point against the Washington Capitals and Carolina Hurricanes, two more tough opponents. So this stretch, man, they played some good teams and then they also played the Buffalo Sabres twice, but some good teams. And I think what you saw last night was a team that the Senators are trying to become a hardworking chip and chase, make you pay for your mistakes type team. And the Islanders just did it. As DJ Smith said, a lot better than Ottawa did and say what you want about the second half of back to back with travel. They just got beat up, up and down the ice last night. Yeah, I think that's fair, especially the first period. Uh, the Senators, they haven't been able to come out with a big spark here, although they do score first. They get yep. out shot heavily, and I thought Forsberg had a pretty good first period, but it kind of got away from him as the game went on and as the Islanders continued that tough, tough pressure that they're known for. And look, yeah, this team is young. It's injured. It's tired. 
they are ready for a break and they're deserving of an all-star break here. But losing up against the Islanders is a tough one again, Ross, because although on paper this is a much better Islanders team in the standings, they're not that great this year. And similar to the Ottawa Senators, they've had a lot of games postponed and pushed down the line. So I thought this was actually a decent kind of matchup for the Sens, but you know, it's it's unfortunate, but this is going to happen once in a while with the back-to-backs and all these injured players. Yeah, the Islanders are the only team who've played less than Ottawa's 40 yeah. games this year, but they've also won six of their last 10 now, and they're starting to get it together. They also didn't play a home game forever because the new building just opened. Beautiful building by the seams Looked of it. Amazing. Shout, out to the, shout out to the Sens fans who tagged us from UBS Arena. We love that on Twitter, at Sens Central, when you're going on the road. Speaking of Sense Central, you can follow us there for daily stats, news, analysis. I'm going to bring up a graphic I made for Sense Central. Got lots of traction. We're going to break that down coming up later. Reminder, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast, including YouTube, where you can subscribe and like the videos there. We do really, really appreciate if you mind hitting that thumbs up button. You can also join the postcast after each and every Ottawa Senators game. It got wild last night. That's all I'm going to say. But check it out wherever you download your podcast. Pilsy, back to the game. Now, you said the Sens scored first. It was Nick Holden, his second goal of the year. Trivia time. When did he score his first goal of the season? Ooh. I don't know. Yeah, I can't can't think of it. Against the New York Islanders on December 7th. So, hey, he's got a goal per game against the New York Islanders and none against anybody else. People forget that in his younger days, Nick Holden was a bit of an offensive defenseman. He scored more than 10 goals twice. With once Rangers, with Colorado. Right? Once with Colorado in his rookie year. Scored <laughs> scored 10 goals as a rookie, 25 points in 50 games. That's impressive like, oh. for an undrafted defenseman to put up those yeah. numbers. Damn. 100%. And then, yeah, you're right. He did it with the Rangers in 2017. And somebody reminded us as well, Nick Holden, that infamous game five against the New York Rangers, the Pajot Hattrick game. Right. Nick Holden scored a goal for the New York Rangers in that game. Nice, nice. Random enough. Yeah, there you go. Well, Nick Holden gets on the board last night. And I thought for a second, and I mean, the Sens posted a highlight video that showed the replay, like the camera emoji and seven. And it showed what looked like Brady tipping that on the way to Ilya Sorokin. It was just a floating shot from the side, uh, from the half wall. And it looked like Brady got a piece of it. Hmm. It bounces off of Sorokin's shoulder, goes up over in the net. So Brady Kachuk still with a 14-game goalless drought right now. I have some takes on that, though. And why don't we get into it now, actually, because we're on the goal. He gets an assist on that. And something that Jeff O'Neill always says on Overdrive TSN, he he mentions that you're not always going to have your A game, especially there's no question in my mind Brady Kachuk is playing through some sort of injury right now. We saw the the props that he and uh, that he and Timmy had at the end here. I've got it on YouTube if you want to pull it up. Yep, right there. See Brady's left hand; it's all bandaged up. He's got it over his index finger and wrapped around his wrist. So it leads me to believe there's some sort of upper body. He also in his last fight, I forget who he beat up, but he definitely got the win in it. Do you remember who he fought last? Hayden, Hayden, right for the Sabers. He was throwing so many lefts. Hayden was begging for a right, but he was yeah. also throwing so many lefts that you got to think maybe that had some effect on his hand. However, what point I was getting at is when you don't have your A game, which for Brady Kachuk is putting the puck in the back of the net, you have to bring something else to the table. And Brady's done a great job of adjusting. 
Now, do you want to see him score? Yes. Maybe is his shot a little bit weaker than it was because of it? Who knows? But he's still putting the puck on net at a ridiculous pace. Like, in his last five games, you're looking at a guy who had 12 shots in one game, five in another, seven in another, three against the Hurricanes, and then he had two more last night. But he is also contributing with his playmaking ability, which I like to see. So in his three games after his last goal, which came against Florida when they beat them 8-2, that's how long ago it's been since Brady Kachuk scored. No points in the three games after. But in his last 11 games, he still has eight assists. So he's able to still find ways to contribute. And he's finding ways to contribute without his line mates. I think that needs to be noted as well, right? Like, hey, anytime you got Batherson and Norris on your line, you're probably going to get a couple secondary assists just by default being on the ice. But he hasn't had that luxury. He's been helping Timmy out. And um, Tyler Ennis as well. Before we move on from that goal, what a pass by Tyler Ennis. Best to lace him up. Finds Holden in the perfect spot. And that makes it easy for Holden to get a good shot on that. And yeah, that was weird how that puck was like, is resting yeah. on Sorokin's shoulder for quite a while. If you're a goalie, that's your worst nightmare because you don't know what to do. Like, do I move quickly? Do I stand still? Like, it seems like damned if I do, damned if I don't kind of scenario. And, of course, that one goes in on him there. But nice for Nick Holden to open the scoring for the Sens. And if you're the Senators, you're feeling good. You scored first. My key to victory was play with the lead. And they did for most of the period. And there were... I don't want to, we don't talk about the refs on this show, but that Josh Brown penalty, the first one of the game, like he got tackled. That's, that's two minutes for being bigger than the, than the opponent going to the net. His face was priceless. Look, he's like me. That was awesome. But anyways, that's the kind of thing, Ross, that's like tie goes to the runner kind of thing, right? The ref is just going to give that call to the, like give it in benefit of the offensive player there every time. Well, don't get me started on the third period penalty where the play should have been dead before the infraction is is called. But anyways, we'll get to that later. We'll go a little more chronologically because the senators killed off that Josh Brown penalty. Then they killed off another penalty soon after. Sorry, Josh Brown was the second penalty. First, it was a Stutzel slash, but no, sorry. They got it uh, together. So it was offsetting minors, the slashing in the rough on Stutzla and Wallstrom. So Josh Brown gets that second penalty of the period. Then the, the Clark Bishop trip, sure, you can call that. That's fine. But it just, it was too bad because the Senators really did a good job, I thought, of making sure there was no um, real offensive zone pressure throughout the first unit and then they switch up and then with three seconds left in the penalty the Sens PK that had been so good they crack and then you're looking at a tie game going after a first period rather than a lead yeah that was a tough goal though I don't blame Forsberg on that one because it was a mad scramble he's trying to find puck through traffic it's bouncing around and then what happens Ross is his stick gets caught in all the traffic in front and he tries to slide over. He knows Bavillier's there, and he tries to get there. But he's in position, but his stick is still hanging on a player over there. Bavillier, smart, good hockey IQ, realizes that, gets it right five-hole because he knows there's no stick there. That's the best place to shoot. So for Forsberg on that goal, I don't put too much blame on him, but it's tough when it when it happens like uh, like it did. Yeah, especially like that, that point shot gets deflected and it loses all its steam. So everyone's kind of moving around at the pace of the puck. And then all of a sudden, it's like a change up. Everything kind of slows down and then gets right on a tee for uh, whoever's on the, the left side. So it goes off of Josh Brown's skate. Nice play, though, to pick it up and then put it out front and then mad scramble. Yeah, rebound. Maybe if I'm nitpicking, 
I'm going to say, hey, lead with your stick as a goalie when you slide to your left so that it covers that five-hole area. But you can kind of see on the replay, his stick gets caught behind Victor Mete's leg. So reasonable for sure. Definitely don't blame Forsberg on that. The Islanders had 14 shots on goal in that first period, as you said, out shooting Ottawa. So you're looking at a situation where if Forsberg's not standing tall, making 13 saves, this one's not tied. So yeah, that's cool. Then the start of the second period, midway through, Alex Formanton breakaway. Stop, drink, shocker. <laughs> but Sorokin, who's one of the smallest goalies in the league, like the, I can probably count on one hand the amount of goalies who are under six feet tall in the NHL. Like Sorokin, Saros. UC Saros, and Nadelkovic, I think is right on that cusp as well. I don't know if there's anybody else. So yeah, I like Formanton's thought process. He's coming in with a ton of speed. Just go as as fast as you can to that far post and try to beat him there. But there's a reason why Sorokin's known as one of these up and coming goalies and who is a stud in Russia. Like him and Shesterkin were like the two guys in the KHL for the last half decade. So he makes an unbelievable save, but that save also, if you're the Senators, you're looking at that as the the turning point in this game. I would agree. Yeah. Because Formanton, like you said, he he knows he's a short goalie. So make him stretch out, yep. really be patient there. And he does that. Try and Try to get it up. I know that's the thing for me when he, with that speed, you, you got to kind of take the good with the bad with the speed. You're not going to get the same control of that puck like you would if you're not speeding in school zones going over 40 kilometers an hour, right? Shadow so, Carly. Yeah, exactly. You love that one. Um, so that's that's a good save. And Formanton had another uh, partial break later on in the game too. So I thought he's, yeah, shocker, right? Um, he's really good at, at finding those moments to really turn on the Jets, but it, it's tough when... Won- he spun Chara early in the game, too. No, you love to see that. Especially, like, Chara with that reach. If you can get around him with your speed, that's pretty impressive. Yep. Um, if, if he can start finishing those plays a little more often, that's going to help out. But, hey, even without finishing a lot of those plays, Ross, as we're going to get to with that chart you made, he's been having a very hot streak since December. He certainly has. So, at that point, the Ottawa Senators still tied 1-1. Let's talk about the demise of the Ottawa Senators after we take a quick breath and tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Comes in so many amazing flavors as well. When you're looking at Built Bars, you're looking at consistency. Yes, because all of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. They're all low calorie, all low sugar, all high protein, all high fiber, but... They're all different, too, because they come in so many different amazing flavors. So go check them out right now. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And when I say check them out, why not get the mix box of Built Bar and try them all? Check them out right now at BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, Pilsy. So after that breakaway save by Sorokin, I'm starting to get a little nervous because, you know, you can only go so far before the Islanders at home start to feel the crowd, right? Ottawa hadn't played in front of any more than 500 fans since five games ago. And even then, it was a half-sold-out building in Edmonton. Or no, that was the road trip before. So they did play against, I think it was Columbus, their last full building. Columbus. Yep. And they, they were able to get the road win. But there's only so much that you can tempt fate against a team as stingy as the Islanders. And, well, it wasn't much later that 
Well, I'm going to let you take this goal because I'm trying to stay goalie friendly here. I'm doing my best. Look, we try to give Anton Forsberg a bit of a leash here, but this is a tough one, Ross. And and we talked about it. You said, what am I going to be looking for to see if Forsberg is ready? And it's those quick movements and adjustments that he struggled with uh, last time up against the Ducks. And we saw we saw it happen here. He makes one extra adjustment. Char gets the point shot on net. It's tipped. And he, he covers the tip like he's along with it. And he's then Wall- He's in perfect position. Perfect position, yep. And then Wallstrom gets it. And then I don't know what he's doing here, but he lifts his pad and starts to make a make a move like he's got to change positions or something. But he's perfect. If he just stays exactly how he is, he makes that save and maybe Wallstrom gets an extra whack at it. But there's no net available. But he lifts his pad at the last second and Wallstrom sneaks it under there. And that's a tough one. And that's one where you're, where the goalie coach is like, all right, I know what we're working on practice uh, next next day. That's for sure. But that's a backbreaking goal because now, now the one, one tie is, is gone. And that big momentum that you got from Formanton getting the breakaway and being able to hold the Islanders to one, one after they absolutely dominated you in shots, that's all slipping away now. And that's a momentum goal in my opinion. Yes, it certainly is because, well, there's no other Islander even in the vicinity of the front of the crease. It goes Wallstrom, then Brantstrom, Paul, and Shabbat are all right there. So if you're Forsberg, there's no other threat and the puck is at the front of the crease. So first of all, even if he just stays there, that's all he needs to do. The puck will just hit him. But why not just go paddle down and just take, seal off the bottom of the net? There's nowhere else that he, he can't like make a quick move and go far side. He can't make a quick pass. There's nobody available. It's just shooter versus goalie. And I compared it last night to when you're playing pinball at the arcade and you press the flap too early and the ball just goes right by. All he had to do was keep it and it would have just hit him. So that was a frustrating goal to give up, especially it wasn't the same, but it was reminiscent of the goal against the Ducks where it was just kind of a spin shot and it just goes under the pad. Like when you're on your knees as a goalie, the puck shouldn't go under you. I think gravity plays a role, not a a huge science guy, but I think yeah, gravity probably plays a pretty big role in that so it's unfortunate from that standpoint but at that point it's still 2-1 like the game's not out of reach by any stretch but at the same time you're like okay is that kind of a backbreaker in the locker room you can see Forsberg throw the puck out of the net like at that point body language starts to go in and they're still playing they're still being physical they're still trying their best here and then you're looking at just another miss clear and that was kind of an underrated part of the last goal too is the puck stayed in at the point Chara made the shot and away you go. This time it's another keep in. And for this time you're looking at the defense and this was not Eric Branstrom's best game. And I feel like how many times do we say it is? So this one, not second half back to back coming back from COVID this, that, and the other, but he just completely loses his man wide. And you, you just can't, can't be doing that. Or sorry, this one was, uh, was Zub. The last one was Branstrom. And I think the, the fourth one he had, but Zub just gets caught on the left side of the ice and, there's just nobody there for, for Matthew Barzell. Now, if I'm a, if I'm playing goalie, do I want to allow a short side goal from that part of the ice? Probably not, but it was a great pass, long pass as well. So at that point, the Islanders go up 3-1. Yeah, Mayfield had a couple really good passes, and we'll get to his other one there. But yeah, that was kind of funny to watch, Ross. And I don't know where I side on this because, sure, it's Matthew Barzell all alone on a one-timer. Just saying that right there, that's hard to stop. But at the same time, 
I mean, he's looking like Danny Heatley making clappers from the corner. Like, yeah, no doubt. That's exactly, that's pretty much the exact spot where Heatley was calling for that clapper in that famous, um, yeah, famous yeah. video. And Barzell gets it. So, sure, that's a bit of a defensive lapse, letting Barzell sneak away without anyone covering him. But also, at the same time, if you're a defenseman, you're like, all right, I'll give him a bit of that space. If he wants to hang out in the corner, fine, I'll give him a bit of space there because I know if the puck gets to him, Forsberg should be able to make that bad angle stop. But Matthew Barzell is an incredible player, the most talented player on that team, if you ask me. So he's going to be able to put a little extra oomph on that shot and beat Forsberg. But yeah, I think the credit there, and a classic me, I'm giving that credit all to uh, Mayfield there because that's an incredible tape-to-tape pass from such a distance cross ice. Then in the third period, he made another one. And Adam Pellick, how about coming in from the the point for for him? Really just kind of sensing what the the defense is giving him. And to me, that's kind of Timmy pointing and being like, hey, you take him now. And to be fair, he's the winger. And if you're playing a zone defense, that's the play. You don't want your winger down in or for, i guess he's playing center but center. the way the way he was he was right at the boards covering the the initial pass the pellick made which is good behind the back pass to even get it yeah. to the point and start the whole play and because he jumped forward that, that was a forward that came back and, and held up so maybe it was the centerman and that's why timmy's up there so he doesn't want to leave the guy coming all the way it's down a tough switch is what you're getting at yeah it's a tough switch but at the same time like timmy should recognize there's nobody in between them and that's because Eric Branstrom, and this is the goal I was talking about, Branstrom chases his guy all the way to the blue line and leaves that space open. And then you're looking at, like, this is an NHL 22 video game goal where it's just a seam pass right to the slot. No chance for Forsberg. Like, what do you want him to do here? Guy's coming in with speed, makes a move, and unlike Formington on the breakaway, he's able to get it up over the pad and upstairs. Yeah, literally no chance for Forsberg None. here. And, uh, and also... You know what? This is one of those plays where I don't really blame the Sens too much here either. You just got to tip your hats to the Islanders because for them to make a play where Pellick passes that over to the point and then Pellick, he has one goal all here. He's a defensive defenseman from from my uh, view of him and he joins the rush and makes an incredible play with a bang-bang play and another great Mm. pass from Mayfield. So. I, I think if you're the Sens, that's a tough one to follow. And I, mm. I'm more tipping my hat to the Islanders there rather than blaming the Sens. I want to. But when I see Eric Branstrom above the top of the faceoff circle when, when the puck's in the net, that's tough. Because as yep. a defenseman, he should be standing right in the lane where Pellet took exactly. to go to the net. So it's a tough switch. But at that point, are you thinking it's midway through the third period, you're down two goals, and you're like, man, I'm exhausted. <laughs> like. Yes. Like we've done how many shows since the last time we were able to like take a breath with the postcast and this, like we don't even play the games and I I need a little reset here. So Hey, for, for this team, like that, it sucks to give up and maybe this is not one you burn. Like I said, last night, just burn the tape. No, I think there's some learning experiences for this, especially the strategy on that goal. But the bottom line is the senators lose four, one, both sends abroad get a point. Chara on the Wallstrom goal gets an assist. Pajot on the Pellet goal. Pajot was the was the centerman who jumped up to the point and made that nice pass to Mayfield to start that play. So you got to tip your hat. The Islanders out shooting Ottawa thirty to twenty seven. They go one for two on the power play. Ottawa zero for one. Only the one power play for Ottawa. The Sens out hit the Islanders thirty five to twenty five in this game. Some quick notes from the scoring. From the stat sheet, the uh, box score here, before we get 
to the graphic and the Belleville Sabres. Wait, Ross, can I get my yep. Sun Central standout in oh, before, yeah. before you hit on that? For sure, because you missed your Ironman streaks over on the postcast, buddy. I know, yeah. I was uh, I was in the air when this game happened. And, you know, if I'm going to miss a game, I'm not too upset that this is the game I missed. But I want to give a shout out here. And not having watched the game, it's tough to really get a full view of this player. But strictly from the box score... I got to shout out Mark Kastelik here. Like, for I didn't think there was a chance he was going to play much in the NHL this season. With all the injuries, he gets the call up, and he's making the most of it. Sure, only 10 minutes of ice time. But, Ross, six hits and 80% in the yeah. faceoff dot. He went eight for 10. That's that's incredible. Like, none of the – Timmy went 0 for 6, right? So, to have Mark Kastelik come up, be throwing hits – be getting himself involved in the play and snapping it back in the face-off dot 80%, that's pretty damn impressive. So I wanted to make sure he got a little love, especially, you know, any of the players that come on the show, we're going to give them a little extra boost. So Mark Kaslick, friend of the show, attaboy. And there's another guest coming in the show whose tires we're going to have to pump afterwards. Oh, Stay yeah. tuned for Friday's Locked On Senators for that. Again, free and available wherever you download your podcast. We appreciate you making Locked On Senators your first listen of the day. There's another record month, record week. The numbers keep soaring. And the Senators, despite some losses along the way, are a real fun team to watch. Can the Belleville Senators become a real fun team to watch? They've got reinforcements. We'll tell you how their lineup looks as they begin a real busy stretch tonight when they play host to the Syracuse Crunch. All that plus, we've got our Sen scoring leaders from December 1st through now. We'll touch on what the most impressive or surprising thing is about that. But first, Pills, you got a word from our friends at betonline.net. Yeah, Ross, betonline.net. That's going to be a real tough one for me to remember. So if I slip up and accidentally say betonline.ag, I apologize because it's (laughs) no longer betonline.ag. It's betonline.net where the game starts. And if you guys have been following along, sure, my parlays, absolute garbage i mean we could go on forever with how bad that's been but i made sure i got in on the action because i got a Bengals future at the start of the season ross Bengals to win the super bowl ten dollars to win a thousand so if that one ends up hitting i could do 20 more failed parlays and i would still be in the money so that's why you guys gotta head to betonline.net because you never know when you're going to get some good action. And betonline.net is the trusted sportsbook for the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022, like I just mentioned. And hey, it's not just football, guys. Betonline.net has basketball, of course, hockey, NHL hockey, boxing, UFC, all the coverage for any sport you want. You can check it out at betonline.net. They even got Vegas casino games. So, hey, you can't go to the casino. Why not head to betonline.net to try to win some money? Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Guys, it's betonline.net where the game starts. And reminder, you can advertise with the Locked On Senators podcast. Just shoot us a DM. If you're interested in getting more eyes on your business, whether local or inter national all right pilsy so the ottawa senators are through 40 games of this nhl season they have a 14 22 and 4 
record. But when you take into account that one ten and one November, it certainly looks a little bit more palatable yeah. in the long grand scheme of things. And as we mentioned, they played about five less games than everybody else in the league. The Anaheim Ducks have played 48 games. The Senators, 40. That just tells you what kind of schedule Ottawa's looking at in the second half of the season following the All-Star break. And we will have some All-Star content coming up on Friday. And then it's nice. At least Monday, the Senators get right back into the th- into the swing of things. Uh, they're in New Jersey, I want to say. Are they home? They're home to New Jersey coming out of the All-Star break. And then it's three games in four nights. It's four games in six nights. And it's five games in Sheesh. seven nights. Five games in seven nights coming out of the All-Star break. Yeah, Kelsey. two so, back-to-backs back to back to in the same week is pretty crazy. Yep, with a uh, game against the Pittsburgh Penguins right in the middle. And these are not going to be easy games, despite four out of five out of six of them being on home ice. The Devils, the Hurricanes, the Penguins, the Bruins, at the Capitals on the second half of back-to-back, so with travel. And then you come home, have one day off, and then the St. Louis Blues are awaiting their arrival so lots to get into between now and then but let's take a look back at the last two months where the senators had a winning record since december 1st the ottawa senators are 10 8 and 3 decent and they have had contributions from many different players and what impresses me most we've pulled up on our youtube channel you can go check it out there we'll talk about some of the stats but if you want the full picture Come over to YouTube, check it out. Locked on Senators right there. And while you're listening, may as well give the thumbs up. It does go a long way. We appreciate that. So with the top 10 scores, the first thing that jumps out to me, Pilsy, is that one, two, three, four, five, six of these 10 players have not played in all the games. Just showing you the turnover that this roster has had. Yeah, it's insane the turnover that they've had. And Ross, if I'm going to start with what's impressed me the most and the thing that jumps out to me, it's got to be the guy in, in the third position there, and it's Alex Formanton. I I labeled him as my guy this season, and did. I, I'm glad because he's made me look great here. 21 games, 16 points, a plus four, a bunch of shots. He's getting more ice time than he's used to. He's playing up uh, up the lineup with Timmy. He's even getting some power play looks these days. He's killing penalties. He's getting his breakaway chances. So Alex Formanton, for me, has really turned things around. Like he was, he was ice cold for a but like that November. Like you could tell me Alex Formanton was injured all month, and I'd believe you because he didn't do much in that month. So for him. To be in third here, obviously, if Josh Norris stays healthy, that's probably not the case if <laughs> if um, he's able to play four more games as well. But I think Alex Formanton needs to be applauded here because he's really shown that he can be a top six forward here. Good time for me to mention my breakout player this year was Drake Batherson. And I, I even said that knowing that this was a guy who had a great year last year but I said he's going to even excel so much that he's going to be considered a breakout candidate again and before he was injured he's putting up over a point per game the only guy on this list who's over a point per game now Brady Kachuk was well on his way to but the puck just stopped finding the back of the net for him so the fact that Brady Kachuk hasn't scored in his last 14 games but he's still leading this team in scoring over the last 21 games is super impressive to me. Probably the most impressive thing on this list. 86 shots on goal in his last 21 games, Pilsy. It's not for a lack of trying that he only has eight goals during that stretch. 
Yeah, and you wonder why he's the leader of this team, why he's the captain, the face of the franchise. I mean, enough said. This is why. He's able to get it done. Even when he's not scoring goals, he's still the one of the most impressive players on this team. And he contributes in so many different ways. So Brady Kachuk, that's just captain shit right there. 19 points in 21 games. And yeah, let's just say some of those 86 uh, shots on goal, he gets a lucky bounce. He's looking a lot better too. So you got to well, applaud Brady. The shot against Koskinen, and Koskinen just makes an unbelievable glove save against him in uh, in the third or second period of that Oilers game. He leads yep. the team, Brady Kachuk does, in points, shots, and hits. So that just tells you how valuable he is, among other things. Of course, when you're looking at, he's, uh, man, there's three guys on this list who've gotten in a tilt too. I kind of like that about this team, right? They're, they're going to stand up for each other no matter what. And, yeah, well, say what you want about the Aaron Dell situation. What are you going to do with a goalie? Really. So we'll see uh, if he's ever in the NHL again, if they're able to get some retribution for that. But Adam Gaudet got in a scrap, Tim Stutzla, Brady Kachuk. And it's not going to be long before we see Formanton get get himself into the mix as well. He's been being a real pain in the the side of uh, his opposition, especially recently. If I'm looking at another thing that's impressed me, all of Thomas Shabbat's goals this season have come since December 1st. Remember how he was playing so well defensively, but the puck wasn't going in the net, and now he's got three goals and 15 points in 21 games. So that impressed me. 61 shots for Thomas Shabbat. Like, the puck's getting through for him. He's second on the team in shots on goal during this stretch. So the the guys who you want to see contributing and making the most of their opportunities are certainly doing that. Another thing, and yes, plus minus, flawed stat, all those things are true. Look how many guys are in the pluses. That just wasn't the case before. Yeah, it's hey, it's Groundhog Day, Ross, and it looks like spring is coming because the pluses are here. The minus temperatures are fading away, which is great because this team has seen their fair share of minuses. So, I mean, you really, this whole team, and I think the coaching staff needs a little bit of love too because they have been thrown wrench after wrench in their plan. And they've been able to keep these guys hungry. They've been able to help guys that need to elevate, put them in the right spots so they can succeed. So all around, like, it's it's crazy to say, and we've already said it, but if you take out that November, this team is right where we want them to be. Right, Ross? Like, I think you're, the schedule, or uh, sorry, the record and the points that guys are putting up, if there's no November and if this team stays healthy, I would honestly say you're looking at a team that could sneak into the playoffs here. Obviously, yeah. that's a lot of if, ands, and buts. But and the really- only problem too is is the Bruins are have won twelve of their last sixteen games and have really separated even from Detroit, in who's the first team out of the playoffs. It's like a ten point cushion right now. The East is pretty well set. Yeah, definitely. And and the Sens November probably helped a lot of those teams in the yeah. East. Um, but w- what I'm saying is at least they could look at a situation where you're pushing for that spot, right? Yep. Like you're not down in the basement. So I think this whole team deserves credit because every single member of this franchise has stepped up this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. That's a great point. So I'm going to read a couple of the responses on Twitter. I'm going to retweet uh, that as well. Uh, Phil LeMay saying that the most surprising thing is Adam Gaudet who has seven points in his last 12 games. Maddie Perth sends at TrueFanNet, says Stutzla being second in hits behind Kachuk. Again, this is only among the top 10 scorers. Austin Watson, Nick Holden, Artem Zub, all with more hits than Tim Stutzla. But the fact that he's second on this list is still impressive. And Campbell mentioning that Kachuk being, despite his goal drought, still being number one. We already discussed about that. 
And she also says Connor Brown, who hasn't played in, well, not uh, 10 games, if I'm doing some quick math there, he has nine points and is yep. still seventh on the, or sorry, eighth on this list. So yeah, lots of good things. John Hader pointing out that Josh Norris was shooting at a, what was the percentage here? 23% of his shots were finding Ooh. the back of the net. So that in itself, super impressive. Lots of great stuff here. Lots of great stuff in the replies as well. So go check them out on Twitter at Send Central. You can also follow the show on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can like the show on YouTube. It does go so long and so far with us. The Senators are 10, 7, and 3 in the postcast era. Uh, so that's good. Or sorry, 10, 8, and 3. I had an update from last night. Damn it. That being said, the Belleville Senators, they need to figure it out. And I think they do have a chance in the next little while. They're playing some, some a lot of hockey here coming up. 13 games in the 28 days in February. That includes a six-game road trip to Pennsylvania and a weekend in Laval. Now, the Syracuse Crunch, their opponent tonight, they're coming off a pair of losses last weekend. Their last loss was 6-1. So, you know, they've got to be in their bonnet right now but reinforcements as i said pilsey they're here mark kastelik lassie thompson igor sokolov all returning from stints with ottawa and cole reinhardt was up with the taxi squad he and defenseman dylan hetherington will be back in belleville so that decor is looking good now with hetherington thompson delzato and jbd yeah so you're looking at that being a top four in Belleville, I think that's looking pretty sharp here. I'm excited. I'm going to be watching tonight's game 100% with uh, with Belleville because they need, they need, they need to get a few wins because despite a roster that, you know, you look at it, you're like, okay, like they look pretty decent. Well, they're still last in their division. Yeah, it's it's been tough for them for sure, Ross. And actually, they're finally ahead of the Cleveland Monsters just what? based on based on points percentage. Percentage, just, fair. Th- that's how the AHL does it. F- well, um, f- five games in hand. So yeah, that makes sense actually. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm looking at this schedule, Ross. So they got the Syracuse Crunch tonight, Syracuse Crunch on Friday, then Laval on Saturday. There's no all reason at home. All at home. There's no reason why they can't win all three of those games with this roster now. And they need to. Like, they need to start stepping it up. They've got all the guys down there. They're Hopefully, they're going to get good goaltending. Like, Philip Gustafson's there, right? So, they should be able to get good goaltending. And if they do that, they're going to be in a good position. Uh, Although, Laval does have a couple games on hand on them. They've got four games on hand on them. But they need to beat Laval for sure. And they need to beat Syracuse. Those are the two teams ahead of them. So, I think... If Belleville can win all three, they set them up really nicely. And with trade deadline coming up, you can't expect that they're going to have all these players for the rest of the season, right? Like Sokolov, Kastelik, uh, Lassie Thompson, those guys might come right back up to the NHL when trade deadline happens. So while they have this uh, reinforcement and a full, legit Belleville lineup, they need to take advantage. And these are some weaker teams, too. It's not like they're up against uh, the, the Marlies or the Americans or the Comets. They need to beat up on these teams while they have a chance. So I'm expecting nothing less than two wins, but there's no reason why they can't get three on this stretch here. You follow us on Twitter at Send Central. We'll be tweeting out whatever goes down tonight in the American Hockey League. And just to uh, complete your point about the trade deadline, March 21st is the NHL trade deadline. But 
maybe this will be a good show. Maybe we do this on Friday or later on. Like, do the senders even really have guys that they can move out at the deadline? Maybe, maybe not. We'll save that for yep. later on. And that's why we always got to leave it with a tease here as the Locked On Senders podcast is daily, Monday through Friday, everywhere you get your podcast. And it's been a while while you were away. We didn't want to make things complicated with getting sent Central Citizens, getting some interviews, but that changes on Friday yep. and beyond. We've got people waiting to be sent Central Citizens. We love that. We will get to everyone. I've got a list going and we we're, we love that segment and it's going to be a staple going forward, but we also love having first round picks on the show, Pilsy, and we have our fifth first round pick coming on Friday. Yeah, we love the fans coming on the show. We love the players coming on the show, especially the up and coming guys. So we got a real treat for you coming this um, this Friday, and I'm excited to get a chance to talk to this guy, Ross, because he completes a little collection for us, yes. which we're also <laughs> very happy about. Yeah, we certainly will get into all that with him and more. By the way, Pilsy, the Olympics start tonight. For Team Canada's women's hockey team, I'm fired up for that one. It's an 11 p.m. Eastern start tonight. It's Canada against Switzerland. Talk about a feel-good game to get started at the Olympics, eh, for the Canadians? Yeah, definitely. That's definitely one where uh, you can get to see some stars shine. And, yeah, with all the kind of doom and gloom about NHL players not going to the Olympics, this is going to be a great time for women's hockey to shine, especially with some bigger names uh, being at the event. So I'm, I'm fired up for that. and. Olympic hockey, regardless of who's playing, it's it's an incredible thing to watch. And oh, yeah. we weren't sure if we were going to get to watch it. So I'm stoked to, to watch the game tonight. And yeah, between Belleville and them, I'm going to be catching two hockey games. No question. Also, friend of the show, Haley Salvian from The Athletic. Yep. She wrote an article, uh, kind of a women's hockey for dummies article with all the stats, info, and background that you need. So I would recommend everyone who has a subscription to The Athletic Go read Haley's article, and it really helped me get fired up for it, learning about all the players, their backgrounds, and a whole lot more. So we're fired up for women's hockey to start tonight at the Olympics. We know the men's tournament will begin in a week tomorrow. I've got it on my calendar. Only the U.S. games, though, uh, if I'm being completely honest, because it's Jake Sander season, and kind of cool. Did you see that our host of Locked on Kraken, Erica Lindsay-Ayala, is at the Olympics in Beijing? So maybe we'll have to get her to check in with us about because she's got Maddie Beneers there from the Seattle Kraken's prospect pool. And we know Beneers, he looks to Jake Sanderson as his mentor and leader. So, hey, no, it'll be fun to check in with Erica later on during the Olympics because, man, the way Jake Sanderson left North Dakota with that highlight reel goal, you only think he's going to bring that confidence into the Olympics. Oh, while we're talking about the Olympics, we don't know who's going to be wearing letters for Team USA. I'd imagine none of the young guys get one, although we know Jake Sanderson, two-year captain at the USNTDP, assistant captain at the University of North Dakota, captain of the World Junior Team. Leadership's in his blood. We'll see what happens there. But Team Canada has announced its leadership group. And it is nice to see like a legit former NHL superstar would you give him superstar? I think in his prime. Oh yeah, Eric, and Eric he's Stahl. also an Olympian. Like this isn't his first go at the Olympics. Yeah, uh, twelve years later, yeah. he was on the 2010 team in Vancouver. Crazy. Yeah, so pretty cool though. Like the way Shane Doan explained it, he was on with Haley Salvian and Ian Mendez, two friends of the show, on their uh, podcast. Shane Doan, now the GM, he's not on the team, although hey, he probably could. If you wanted to. Up, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were teammates at multiple world championships, but he said like 
Eric Stahl's present and like he's a towering guy. He's he's lanky. He can score. He's going to be the leading scorer, I think, in this men's tournament. And you look at what he brings. It's just what Shane Doan said. Just paraphrasing, he said, "Other teams are going to play us, see him, and be like, oh shit, like yeah, we're playing against Team Canada. Like that's Eric Stahl. So that's- I think just from that name cachet, he's a huge piece for this Canadian squad." And that's how it's supposed to be. We're Team Canada. We're yep. the, the top of the world in hockey. So I'm glad we're able to still kind of flex our our might there and have a guy like Eric Stahl, who, you know what, maybe last season with Montreal wasn't that great, but he's not too far removed from some amazing seasons in Minnesota. Like, he rebuilt his career there, and right. he's still got some hockey left. Like, there's some talk, um, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, they talk about how this might be Eric Stahl just showing teams, hey, I still got it. And if you need a little help for the playoffs, I'm a free agent. Call me. How did he do? Uh, he went to the Iowa Wild uh, yep. to play some some games here as he prepared. Kind of like what uh, Chris Kelly did with the Belleville Senators yes. before he captained the team. That was awesome. In 2018. So I'm just pulling it up here. He had five points in four games. Okay, Eric Stahl can still play. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do just fine. Yeah, he was he was bad last year. 13 points and 15. Yeah, not great games. last year. But, but the mean, year before. He's on a crap team. Two crap teams. Buffalo and then Montreal. Yeah. I guess. Hey, he actually had eight points in the playoffs for Montreal in 21 games. So he was in every game on their way. Hey, did Eric Stahl leaving ruin the Montreal Canadiens? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, but his last year before that in Minnesota, uh, 47 points yeah. in 66 games. So, yeah, so fired up that they got uh, a legit name to captain this team. The assistant captain, Sens fans will remember David DeHarnay from his time with the Montreal Canadiens and Maxime Noreau, who I didn't really know much about Noreau uh, beforehand, but I'm lo- I'm looking up again because I had his stats up before and he's just one of those guys who went overseas and has just been tearing it up. He plays for the ZSC Lions. Remember, I always Basleep. messed that up yeah, when uh, yeah. Branstrom was playing there. Uh, yeah, he's got 31 points in 36 games this year. So he's an offensive defenseman. He's going to wear a letter. He did play a few NHL games way back in the day with the Minnesota Wild back in 2009 and 2010. But we're fired up. The Olympics are underway starting tonight with the Canadians women national team. So I'm swapping out that jersey as of tomorrow. We'll get my Team Canada one in there ready to go. We also are ready to go for tomorrow's show. We are halfway through the season. We're going to have a full recap, Pilsy, of the first 40 games which is going to be harder to do in one recap because it seems like a tale of two or three seasons so far. Yeah, it really does. I mean, let's let's uh, it'd be nice to take that November out there, but that's that's a <laughs> chapter of the story, right? And Ross, I can't believe, and we'll get into it more tomorrow, but I can't believe we're talking about a halfway point at the All Star Game. Like, what a wild thing to say. Yeah, usually you're looking at 50, 55 games into the season. The Sens are 40 games, and we will break down our best surprises. We kind of did that for just a smaller sample size. Our surprises for the seasons, who we're most impressed with, who needs to step up, who's trade bait. Any question you have as well, comment on our YouTube page about what you've seen throughout the first half of the season, what you want to see going into the second half, and we will get to all of those all leading up to a big interview on Friday. We appreciate everyone making Locked On Senders your first listen of the day, and we'll do it again tomorrow. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. Enjoy the women's hockey. Enjoy the Belleville Senders tonight, and we'll chat tomorrow. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senders podcast, your team 
every day.